What's going on guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil MMA. I'm your host as always, Evil Eddie, and I'm really excited to be joined by one of my favorite photographers. Actually the first person I ever met inside the mixed martial arts scene when I was going to broadcasting school back in 2015 or 16. 16. When, so you guys might know uh, PFL, but back then it was called World Series of Fighting. And they had some pretty big names back then that are now fighting in the UFC. I mean, even Rumble Johnson went over there, Andre Avlowski over the years to try to get back into the UFC. So that was like one of my first shows and I was scared shitless walking in there. And then she, I, walk, I walked through the doors after I got my press pass and I still got the thing over there. And she saw, I think I was wearing my Pure Evil shirt. And you're like, Pure Evil? Isn't that, there was what, an other brand called Pure Evil back then? It sold like gear or something like that? Yeah, it's uh, another friend of mine, Nelson. He had Pure Evil as well. And um, I just thought you guys so all worked together. Yeah. So she was the very first person I actually met. And she's actually one of the top photographers in Connecticut. Uh, what are some of the places that you've shot for? I mean, I've seen you at so many events locally. We've seen so many guys come up. Even uh, Mitch Raposa was just recently on mm -hmm. Ultimate Fighter, the new Ultimate Fighter, which I didn't even watch. I didn't even realize Mitch was on there, but that's somebody that we watched grow. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna be discussing all of that, but can you kind of give like your background a little bit on like how you got into photography with mixed martial arts? Like, yeah, um, I, did photography for years and my teenage years and it was more focused on portraits and weddings and then not violence no or mosh pits just <laughs> no. flowers and weddings exactly yeah and then i started training uh, mixed martial arts and after that i decided that you know what made you want to do that what? start training what year was that that you started training because i'm sure 2006 so that's way early on. That's when a lot, that's way before Ronda Rousey was around. And once Ronda Rousey came around, there was a lot of girls coming in. So what, mm -hmm. you were maybe the one of two, three girls in the gym at the time? Um, Actually, we had a, a, a big group of women at that time. It was like, maybe like 10. Was it intimidating? No. So what gym was it? Because I know I'm from Connecticut, but you're from Springfield. No, right? I'm for I'm from um when I started training I was living in Framingham, Massachusetts. And then there was um a gym out there, um, Dragon Layer. So I started there for a couple months. Are they still around? Um yes, they are. I started there, um, but then I was going to school at night, so it was interfering with all that. Um, As a single mother too, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was going to night school, single mother, training. Um, and then I eventually moved to Milford. And then when I moved to Milford, I started training at um, the RAC, Riviera Athletic Center. So what started like the whole interest in training? The whole interest in training was, um, it started because um, to that, uh, 2005, my son and I were abducted. Really? And, yeah, we were abducted at knife point, um, carjacked, kidnapped, and all that, that all that stuff um, for three days. And then when they found us, I was like, I need to train, I need to train, I need to train. And I kept calling and calling. 
the same place and I was just like because that was the only place I knew was Dragon Lair um, and I was like alright I need to call 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 and eventually you know after a couple months um, I got a hold of them and then I started training um, because you know if anything should ever happen again then at least I am well rounded and be able to defend myself did from you bring your technique. child with you I did I did and he was still young but since it was still fresh in his head, everything that happened, and I was more of, I need to protect my son, I need to protect myself, he was still dealing with it, and he did not like it at all that I was training. He did not like it. He would just throw a fit. He would start crying. He would jump on top of me. He would Why? like... Why? Because it would remind yeah, him of... it was triggering him. Kind of chaos, yeah. I guess? Yeah, it was like, he was like reliving everything that happened during the weekend, because he saw everything, so... In his mind, it's happening all over again. But and you're in, mommy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you're mom, and, like, he's so young, he wants to protect you. Yeah. And, like, in your mind, so how did you kind of discuss that with him? Like, as as a single mother, I mean, you want to be able to protect him. Yeah. So how did you kind of get over that hump with him being afraid of you doing that? He actually, um, it took him years. Like, so... You know, so it kind of worked out that I was going to school at night because that kept me from training and that kept him a little bit calmer because he wasn't seeing all of the, you know, the violence. But he was seeing violence and I was learning how to protect myself and how to protect him. So after the years, um, maybe like five years after, because I was training on and off, um, I went and when I moved to Milford, I started training with George Rivera. Ooh. That's yeah. a big name right there. Yeah, so he opened up um, the rack, and that's when I started training there. And then my son was okay training with Training what exactly? Mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, okay, boxing, so Muay Thai. Yeah. So we started, um, Gio and I started training, my son and I, and he was okay with it. He was like, okay, Mom, you can train now. Because he was comfortable with George. I don't know what vibe George was giving off that my son was okay with it. So I was like, George, like, I got the green light. Like, I can train now, you know? So this is, would you say, how many years later? Five years later? Four, like, four to five years later, yeah. So what's that, 2013 maybe? 2011. 2011. So were you guys into mixed martial arts as the entertainment industry yet? Like, were you being introduced to that? Or seeing, like, some of the people that you were training with entering competitions like what was the next step that were you're like I want to actually still be here but I want to become a photographer in it like what was the transition with that well um I realized I was disassociated a lot of the times because of everything that happened so the only way I would really know or remember certain things was because I would see a picture of it so then I started realizing explain I'm, that a little bit more what do you mean you would see it a picture of it like so like big events in life birthdays family gatherings and stuff like that I wouldn't remember being there I wouldn't remember participating I don't I wouldn't remember anything but if there was a picture that somebody had and they shared it or they showed me then I would kind of remember certain things so to me it was like wait a minute let me capture those moments that mean something in life that you know, no matter what happens, you can always grab a picture, look back, and be like, oh, I remember this. Like, you can hold on to that moment regardless. So I was doing that, and then while I was training, I saw, you know, 
many people and then we became friends and then we became family because at the rack everybody became family yeah. right? <laughs> so once we became family it's like i would always ask like because at that point depending where where it was i wouldn't go and see them fight because you know depending on the distance it would just trigger certain things and then I'm like, well, where are the pictures? Well, where are the pictures? Like, I want to see pictures. I want to be able... And they wouldn't really have a lot of pictures. So depending where they were fighting, they wouldn't have pictures. And then George was like, because he saw that I would, you know, take pictures. He's like, Iggy, why don't you try to go with us and you can be our photographer? I was like, oh, well, I don't know. Well, depending. And then it just got difficult because certain areas I wouldn't go to, but then other ones I would. And then he got me uh, um, in touch with Mike Pulver, who does Case Titans. Hey, Mikey. Oh, you hear that shout out right there. <laughs> so that was actually my very first official like promotion that I went to, and so just to press pause for the for the listeners, uh, you bring up Cage Titans. Some names that come out of Cage Titans that everyone would know is Joe Janetti, Mitch Raposo, Mitch Jay Perrin, Jay Perrin was on the, on the come up as well, mm-hmm. and also. Um, there's that that little skinny kid. I can't remember his name. Wait, Chris really, Martino. There, there's Chris. He was like the, the whole thing. Yeah. Cupcake. Mm-hmm. There's Cupcake. He was actually dating JoJo's girlfriend. I mean cousin. JoJo's cousin. I mean Cage Science is an amazing promotion. So just quick shout out to them. Mm-hmm. So you met Mike, and then what happened? And then I just um, my main thing was um, the main event that night was Chris Martino. Okay. Uh, oh no, this is Perrin Campbell. Nope, but I got a, I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them. <laughs> so that was your first event. Were you a little nervous of what to expect? Were you like? I was nervous, but I wasn't the main photographer, so I was okay with it. So when you got there, did you talk to the other photographer? I did speak to other photographers, and honestly, they only one photographer was very welcoming to me, and that was um, Joe Harrington. He was super nice, and um, is he still around? He is still around, but he does more um, street photography right now because okay, okay. he has another job that's you know it's time consuming. So he he's eventually going to come back to the MMA scene, but right now he's focusing on his current job and this street is photography. Two thousand thirteen, fourteen. 15, 16, 17? I want to say... Oh, look right behind you. I forgot to tell you that. uh, One one of my rats... (laughs) So, last year... I don't mean to break times. I forgot to warn you about that. Yes, thank you. Uh, One of my rats named Trigger actually lives out of his cage, but compared to last year, guys, when we do these podcasts, there would be 126 of them running around. And Chris Cyborg actually said something in like a group chat about it when she watched my show one time it's just like that's like what I'm known for but now guys there's only there's only one mm-hmm. only one yeah. and you met you met them all they're cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're relaxing alright so this is what 2016 I think it was either 13 or 14 oh wow this is way back yeah so this so Joe Lozon is uh, one of the coaches for a lot of these guys mm-hmm. as well um, there's a lot of big stars that we see at these shows mm-hmm all the time so did you know any of these names or are you kind of walking in there blind i was like walking in there blind your people nope i just knew my people and that was it and i was just gonna go and take pictures and and that was it so actually i met joe lozon but i didn't know who joe lozon was 
So I'm there and I'm chatting with him and I'm, oh, do you mind taking, if I can take your picture? I'm taking pictures. I'm chatting with him. No idea who he is. Wow. Um, and it was cool because, you know, a lot of people go into these sh- these scenes and they're looking, oh, this is a, a named person and this and this yeah. and this. And it kind of like takes away from who they are as a person. So when I met him, I met him as a person. I didn't know him as the fighter. You know what I mean? So it was kind of cool to know that side before knowing him as the fighter when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For me, my first year, like, I would see all these big names, but I knew in my head, I, like, I couldn't react. Yeah. But I was still fanboy, like, the first event, World Series of Fighting, mm-hmm. I saw Chael Sonnen sitting in front of me, looking at me, seeing what I'm doing, yeah. I'm seeing, like, all these, and I'm just, like, blown away by it. But then you realize they're just, they're just normal people. Yeah. And they, like... If you're gonna fit into this scene, a big tip is not to, like if somebody tweets you or like, you know, says something to you, like it's, it's don't don't blow it up into a big thing mm-hmm. if you're a journalist or yeah. a photographer. So it's kind of cool that you went into it kind of blind. Yeah, I mean, I wanted people to remember certain moments. You know what I mean? And a lot of people lose track of the moment because they're caught up in, oh, it's this person. Oh, it, like when I met George Rivera, I didn't know who George Rivera was. Like a friend or a, an ex coworker was like, oh, you know that there's a UFC fighter that, that lives in Milford. And I was like, no idea who this person is. Like, okay, cool. You know, and then I met him and it was like a time where he was going through a certain family situation. I was going through my family situation. So we became family. Do you know what I mean? And at that time, his wife or his fiance was um, pregnant. So, you know, so I was able to be a part of the family while she was pregnant and when the baby was born. So, you know, you become one with them. You know what I mean? And it wasn't um, George Rivera, the fighter. It was George Rivera, my friend, my family. I think it's important for people to... It's almost like a meditation, a kind of like a therapeutic thing to, mm-hmm. even if you're not trying to compete, just go to a gym. Could Because you have a lot of good mm-hmm. support around you yeah. that are trying to better you. They're not trying to take away from you. So, all right, bring us through that first night. Because there's a lot of people on Twitter, I see a lot of questions like, how do I get into podcasting? How do I get into journalism? So your first night, you were given this opportunity and you grabbed it. Because opportunities, we know... Mm-hmm. They can come and you can mess it up really easily and you don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. next. So that night, you're sitting there, you're taking photos. What, what are you looking for and like what like stood out to you that night? And like what did you learn that you needed to do in the next event differently? Um, when I was shooting, I was shooting for what I wanted to see. It wasn't, I don't, because that was my first time as a combat sports photographer. For the photographers watching, what kind of camera did you have at the time? A Canon. A Canon. I think it was a 70D. Okay, so when you take a photo, what does it do? Take 20 at once? Like. At that time, I didn't know I could do that. So I was just trying to, like, catch up and, you know what I mean? I was still learning the camera because 
I went from, you know, a point in, um, like the film, and then point and shoe, and then I got into this bigger camera. But at that time, I I never shot sports. So I, it wasn't like multiple, multiple frames, at, uh, you know, at the same time. I never knew that. So after a while, then I learned about it. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. But it's not even just shooting like you need to know what you're looking for you need to know what you're shooting because there's iconic photos yeah. and i mean i've been in you know press row with these people mm -hmm. you've been around you've shot for major promotions yes you know what i mean and it's crazy some of the people that you'll meet in you'll run into that are like a-list stars and then you don't realize like all the hard work like all these little steps that you put mm -hmm. in and then you're right there next to them and it's just like, it's almost unreal. And then mm -hmm. you start realizing like, I can kind of do this. When was that moment for you? Like what, what, what do you think makes you stand out that makes Lion Fight or any of these other promotion reach out to you instead of anyone else? I mean, obviously you have a great personality, but you've taken some amazing photos. You've taken photos of Valentina and yeah. Antonina right before Antonina got signed to yeah. the UFC. I mean, shout out to Scott Kent and all of them. Yeah. I mean, we've had some good times, but I mean, what was the moment that like it clicked to you? Like I like might be able to do this and like make a name for myself. When was that? How many I don't think events? it's I don't think it's clicked yet. Really? I don't think it's clicked yet because I think the moment it clicks, in my opinion, like you lose it because now you think, well, I've already made it. Why do I have to keep bettering myself? And every show I go to, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? Like, I listen to the promoters. I listen to the fans. I listen to the family. I listen to everybody because they see things I can't see. So in every show, I'm learning, and I'm learning. I'm learning um, not so much how to use my camera, but I'm learning how everybody is different. How do you prepare for an event? We're going to circle back to that. But how do you prepare for an event? Like, do you look at like, all right, this guy's a kickboxer, so I gotta get ready. Like, do you kind of research that? Or are you kind of just like ready? Like you got that eagle eye? I, I mean, I prepare with getting, having the right gear, you know? Um, my thing is, if you're gonna be a photographer, you need to remember that we all start somewhere, okay? Don't think I wanna be a combat photographer, you need to pay me. Instead, go to all these shows oh, and start learning. Learn, learn, learn. Like, I, I went years without getting paid, and I was okay with it because I was learning. Like, this is awesome. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. How else are you going to practice and get where you want to be without... That's what I was about to say, too. When, when I asked you what was the moment when you thought you made it, for a lot of people, they'll say, when I started making a paycheck, which is very difficult to, to have. I mean, I'm kind of lucky to make a couple dollars off the podcast mm -hmm. ads or the sponsorships mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But there's thousands, there's millions of podcasts out there. There's a lot of people that are trying to come up. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of these chances and they might be like, oh my God, she's shooting for this promotion, mm -hmm. that promotion. It doesn't mean that you're even for fighters. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult business. How, like, how do you prepare yourself for moving forward after you know five years because a lot of people will give up and I've seen myself get to the point where I've seen you know the scene kind of start to change yeah. and 
you know, people I've been friends with kind of like turn weird or like not let me explain myself or just like bizarre things happening instead of going back to when we were all having fun and living in the moment and seeing these amazing moments, mm-hmm. capturing these moments and the smiles that we had afterwards. And I feel like it, for a moment I lost that. And it just like having you here today, like it, it's just like you're kind of going through the same thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's very hard to make it in this business, but it's almost like that meme where this guy's chiseling away yeah. and the treasure chest is right there. And the guy on the bottom, he's right here and then he turns around. But you never know mm-hmm. when that opportunity is going to come. So, like, you can't give up. You can't never give up. No. So, you know, Esther, Lynn, all these people, they had their chance. Uh, for anybody out there that's doing this, don't expect to make money in the first couple of years. Don't expect to even get, like, followers the first couple of years. When was, like, the first time that you were kind of recognized with your photography? Through Lion Fight? Um... I don't even know. People knew me before I even noticed that I was anywhere. Like, people would come up to me and be like, because, you know, my logo, they're like, oh, wait, you're... And I was like, yeah, you know, because they knew my logo and they they saw my pictures and they related because I wasn't... It wasn't about me. It was about the fighter. It wasn't about me. It was about the promotion. And a lot of people lose sight and make it about them where it's... You, when you went into this business, when you went into this line of work, it wasn't about you. It was a what, you know, like don't lose sight of the purpose that you went into this. And, you know, I've met great people and I'm working with these people. So when you get an That's opportunity, yeah, when you get an opportunity, you can't be like, oh, well, you know, I got this opportunity, now I'm the one. No, like, for instance, I started working with Lion Fight. And I had done plenty of shows with them. And it was, um, I had the opportunity because Benny, who's the main photographer for Lion Fights, um, he couldn't make it to that show. So they needed somebody to fill in. And Ooh. I was given the opportunity. I was like, oh my gosh, of this course. This is like, similar to, you know, the fighting lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody can't fill in, they're going to call it cage Titans, come up to the UFC. Yeah. You got the call. I got Very the call. Similar. And... And I, but I kept it in my head, like, yes, I got the call, but I need to remember who's the one, like, it's Benny. He's the one who's the photographer for Lion Fights. I am here to assist because he's not here. Now, when he's able to travel, because, you know, he had another prior engagement, you know, and sometimes, you know, you make, you make plans, but at that point when you make the plans, you still don't know when the date is that there's a fight, you know, so he couldn't cancel, but I was given the opportunity and I was able to work with him. And that's the thing, we work together. And it's in this line of work, you need to be able to work with people. And you just took the words right out of my face. You know, so if you can't work with people, how are you expect to get anywhere? And to this day, we like, okay, I have Cage Titans, that is family. I have Lion Fights, that we became family. I have, you know, the Rack, even though the Rack isn't around, they're still my family. So when I see them, they're my family. So you can't betray people and be like, yeah, you know, um, you know, Benny can't make it, so why don't you just keep me? No, Benny is the main person, and I make it clear all the time. I'm like, he's the West Coast photographer, and when he's not able to come here, then I fill in. But when he's here, he's the guy. It's not me. Like, we, I'm here to help. 
I'm not here to take anybody's job. And that's the thing. People are territorial. Like, they, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to take this place. And it's like, why don't, why can't we all just work together? I love that you said that. And you're one of the very rare people in, like, there's a lot of people, and I'm not going to name anyone, people that watch this will, will know, but there's a lot of people that, like, you know, we could be really good friends with, but there's, like, a mix of communication or, like, things get lost in translation, and it's just, like, there's no need to fight. No one should mm -hmm. be trying to screw anybody over at all. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, that's what it comes to. And they look at it like a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Mm -hmm. But, like, for people like me, I do it because this saved my life. Mm -hmm. This stopped me from putting a needle in my arm. Mm -hmm. This helped me go to broadcasting school. This helped me feel alive yeah. again. And, you know, everybody, doesn't matter what you do, uh, we, we have shitty days. We have hard times. We have traumatic pasts. And mm -hmm. in these moments and meeting these new people, I mean, just a whole world opens up. And it's so sad to see friends turn to enemies. And I wish there was a way to, you know, get that out, out of the way. But it's always going to be there. It's been there for years and years and years. But it's sad because... You know, you see these people at events, and it's like, you know, you can't say hi to them, you can't do mm -hmm. this, you can't do that. But you, on the other hand, you've always been somebody that was like, like a kind of a middle person, mm -hmm. trying to like make that bond. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think that's very important to have because what you were saying about Benny, a lot of people would be like, oh, and now it's my turn. Mm -hmm. You know, so you've seen that happen for how many, especially to me. I mean, I like I, I do stupid things. All my friends know me. I do stupid things. I could. It took me an hour to get this freaking podcast set up. I mean, like I'm on the spectrum somewhere somehow. But like I'm having fun and it's all in yeah. good spirit. I'm not trying to like get anyone over. It's about bringing people up. And it's like that's one of the reasons why like I wanted you on here and for your photography and everything. I mean, it's some of the best I've ever seen throughout the entire East Coast. So, who's one of your favorite photographers in MMA? Like, who do you look up to? Who would you like to, like, work with? I'm working with the best already. I'm working with Benny, um, who's amazing. He welcomed me when I was at Lion Fights. He wasn't like, oh, we have another photographer coming. Like, she doesn't know what she's doing. He helped me. You know, he saw my work. He saw what I could do. He helped me. He's like, oh, you know, if you do this, that's all you need to do. Like, oh my gosh, I thank you so much. You know what I mean? And it helped me. Will Paul, he's another amazing photographer. Oh, I know that name. Yeah, he shoots for CES. I know he that goes name. to Lion Fights. I mean, he's an amazing. Oh, I think he got, th was he the one that got threatened at one of the Lion Fight events by by one of the kids and then got thrown out of Lion Fight? I think, I think Who, it was. Will Paul? No, Will Paul has never gotten thrown out of anywhere. He no, is... no, not thrown out. The fighter like threatened him for like a comment. I um, who it, was, it, it wouldn't be Will because like, he's not he's not a he's not one to say anything. Meg MMA is also another good source for photography. What's 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 his name? Nicola. Nicolas. Nicolas. He Nicolas. is another great guy who, after all these years, we become family. Like when his wife was pregnant with her, you know, with their daughter, and then you know, I see the little kids coming up. It's like their family. They're like my nieces and nephews. He looks you know? pretty close to me. Actually. Does he really? Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, he got me. The cutest gift from him and his family, they sent it to me, and it's uh, a mug, but it's like a lens. And it is like the best gift 
ever. Like that's it, awesome. I was like, oh He's like a my god. Guy. Yeah, he really is. But the hardest part about being a photographer or being a journalist coming up, and especially seeing a lot of these young kids get older, and we're watching their fights, and you know, first it's hard to see their parents on the sidelines, or boyfriends, mm -hmm. or girlfriends. That's hard to see. But then when you see two guys, like we recently saw, yeah, uh, William Knight, and then my boy uh, Fabio, Fabio Charant. They get their big shot inside the UFC. And it's against each other. And it's against each other. And these are two guys that, you know, I'm pretty sure you were there for Fabio Charant's debut. Not, not at Cage Titans, uh, Twin River Casino. CES. CES. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I watched him grow, you know, the whole way. And William Knight fighting with uh, reality fighting. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that dude's a specimen, like Francis Ngannou. Mm -hmm. I did not want to see those two clash because Fabio Charant has one of the most amazing stories coming mm -hmm. up, going through foster care. He's mm -hmm. an amazing kid. And then when you see moments like that in their dreams, everything they worked for all these years where, you know, maybe I can take a week off, two weeks off. These guys are in there every day fighting for their dream mm -hmm. and they get that one shot. And it's like, oh, I got to go against William. Oh, I got to go against... You know, Fabio, and it's like, I got to take this guy's dream. It's me or him. That's the hardest part about all of this. Do you have mm -hmm. a hard time dealing with, with some of that? Of course. It's Every time I go to a show, I see people that I've, I've you know, seen. Like, I, for an example, like, I ran into somebody, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you shared my, you, I love your pictures. You were the first one to take my pictures when my first, my amateur debut. I was like, oh, really? Like, wow. I was the one? Like, I didn't wow. even know. To, like, and that and means something to them, too. It, it does. You know? And it means something. I'm like, wow, I've been around. Like, to me, I, I just did it yesterday. Like, I just started yesterday. And it's, I've been around for a while, more than, you know, more than, I guess, a lot of people. So, I've been almost seven years, six, seven, six years. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, five years, five mm -hmm. going on to six years. So you're almost up to eight. Like, yeah, nine, 10 years. It's crazy, That's right? It's a long time. And to me, it was just yesterday. It's a long time to be inside this business, going through all of that. And it doesn't get any easier, fight after fight. Yeah. So what was the hardest part about going through Corona? Because that was really hard for me as a journalist, being stuck here, not having access to get yeah. the press passes and stuff what was that like for you because it was hard for fighters it was mm -hmm. hard for the promotions did you get an invite back anywhere yet I'm shoot I'm still shooting for my invites um still um, yes, they, they just had an event Steve Walker got another knockout that was an amazing fight I mean two great fighters I mean I'll be honest I like watching the Muay Thai events more than MMA sometimes yeah I really do and it's not promoted enough. I feel like Lion Fight should be on ESPN because, you know, a lot of people that watch mixed martial arts, uh, I think they would have a, I mean, the UFC or Bellator or PFL, I think they would have a, a higher appreciation for what Lion Fight does, but they don't have like the star power, I think is what they're Well, missing. they're now on UFC Fight Pass. Yeah, they are. Along um, with uh, Cage Titans, right? No, CES. CES. CES, Lion Fights. Um, they're on UFC Fight Pass. Two great promotions. Um, and it's it's just... 
That's actually really recent. That was a couple of months ago that they signed that. Yes. Uh, I interviewed Scott like right after they signed that, which was mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. But you know the ESPN deal, the ESPN package, uh, yeah. the, the Jake Paul and this and that, the Conor McGregor breaking is like there's so many crazy things going on right now in the world of mixed martial arts. I feel kind of confused right now. Like where, yeah. where's your head at? Like I don't I don't feel as cemented as I was. I think with everything that's happened, because like you need to understand that at one point only boxing was around, like not around, but like during the pandemic, boxing they allowed it in certain places, and then I think boxing was before they allowed a lot of places to open up for MMA promotions. Um, so then at that point, now you have to, now you have MMA fighters trying to get into the the whole boxing aspect, and vice versa. You know that is what it is, but this pandemic has really either allowed people to grow or it stopped them. Like for me, it kind of stopped what I wanted to do in the sense that before the pandemic happened, I was working to do like my own show and do like- um, um, Are you doing a show right now? No, I mean, I have my podcast, but I was gonna do like in an inside studio, have the fighters come in. Well, shout out your podcast really quick for people to follow it. What's the name? It's Their Fight Story on YouTube. All right, I'll put that link down below. And also your website, too. Uh, which one? MedinaMMA.com. For all, for all the photography. Yeah. All right, so so keep going on about the corona, where it left you. So I decided that, you know what, since I can't shoot and I can't do anything, let me let me do the virtual part. Let me do podcasts where I can't really be with the fighters, but I can still interview them and I can share their story because that's what I wanted to do before. It got stopped, but I, I found a different avenue to do it. And I guess that's what fighters are doing now. They're trying to find a different avenue. I mean, now we're more opened up and people can fight and do certain things, but still as far as media, photographers and stuff like that, some promotions aren't allowing it. They're only allowing one photographer or they're only allowing one media or, you know what I mean? So it's kind of difficult. Yeah, media members, yeah, exactly. It's getting a little difficult, but that's when you really have to stop and think, how can I make it work for me? What is it that I can add to my brand? What can I add to to this community? You know, and that's where I decided, okay, let me do my podcast just until the, the, the shows start opening up and let's see what I can do. So I started doing that. It helped because now, you know, I'm, you know, sharing their stories, still shooting. That's the most important part. Mm-hmm. That's why Pure MMA is called Pure MMA. It's- you know, the, the pure stories of Eddie Vileko, E-V-I-L, mm-hmm. of my MMA, you know, visions. People need to hear the stories. They don't want to hear the stats or mm-hmm. who won the fight. They want to hear the build-up, the stories, the drama, what this person's been through to mm-hmm. get behind them. And that's something that you do, but a lot of people don't really dive into that. And it's a very on-thank job. But... I feel like I get something out of it. Like I've learned a lot from fighters. Yeah. I mean, what's one of the favorite like interviews that you've done? Like where it's just like I can't say there's a favorite because every store every fighter has their own story. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not gonna minimize one fighter because they have something different than another. You know, everybody has their story, everybody is on their own level. What one fighter or what I can experience is not something somebody else can experience. So I cannot minimize it because I feel this story was, you know, I can't, I can't do that. That's a, that's not fair 
You know what I mean? It's not because we all have a story. My story may not be your story. Like what you've gone through, maybe I can't go through. And maybe what I've gone through, you can't go through. But it doesn't make my trauma any less than your trauma. And that's the problem nowadays. Everybody wants to be like, well, I went through this and you went through that. And it's just like. One and up. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, let's not do that. Why don't we accept that this person went through this trauma, this person went through this trauma, this person went through this experience. So what coping skills did everybody use that can help somebody else? That's where that, that's my thing is I am not going to minimize anybody because they didn't go through this, this person didn't go through that. It's like, that's not fair. But what has each one been doing to help them? Each one of the people that I've interviewed have you, has used martial arts as an avenue to heal. Each one of them has used this to get closer to where they need to be in life. So that's where I use their fight story and let other people see that hey, yes, this is a violent sport. This is a sport you're going to see blood. But you understand that each and every single person has gone through something in life. And each and every person, when they enter that cage, they enter that ring, they get on that mat, they're battling something, okay? So it's not fair to say, well, this person's doing this and this person's doing... Like one person's fighting, you know, is a, a survivor of cancer. Does that mean that person is less than the person who survived a heart attack or is it less than a person who survived no every each one of them has their own level each one of them has their own spot don't do that but what did this person use to help them get through what did this person use that is still working for them they're using martial arts as a discipline as a meditation as a guide to get where they need to be i mean just look at dustin poirier Mm -hmm. a year and a half ago he lost the habib he makes a tape that I put on my YouTube channel and he was like sitting on his bed and he's like, guys, I think this might be it. I think mm-hmm. I might retire. And then he didn't give up and becomes the champion and then mm-hmm. beats Conor McGregor. Um, I, I mean, I've interviewed so many people. Ian Hynish, he ends up getting arrested, fleeing the country, uh, going to jail, deciding mm-hmm. that he wants to be an MMA fighter, makes it to the UFC. I mean, there's so many amazing stories inside this world of mixed martial arts that is so inspiring and i think it's one of the most inspiring sports uh there is most exciting sports there is other than baseball basketball because Mm -hmm. you're literally fighting while dealing with going home having a home life having a child this and that i feel like there's so much relatability in that Mm -hmm. and being able to capture that in moments like in photography and stuff like that it's just like one of the most beautiful most fascinating things and right now is the most amazing time mm-hmm. for mixed martial arts for people like me and you coming up mm-hmm. you know what i mean i mean i can only imagine what where things are right now i'm kind of like i don't know where mixed martial arts is heading like is it going to become like who are they looking for the next conor mcgregor are they going to bring the youtubes over it's like uh, do you, like do you feel like it's kind of losing touch or like uh, what, what do you, what do you, what do you feel like's going on I, right now with all of, like all of that I, like they're losing sight and thinking more of not fighters but the views from children and youtubers or the drama or like well I mean you I like actually you just pointed that but um I think there's like different 
levels and different perspectives. Like, do I agree with, you know, a boxer fighting an MMA fighter? I think it takes away from each sport. It takes away from the boxer, because now he's fighting an MMA fighter. Um, and then you have the MMA fighter, obviously, fighting the boxer. So now it takes, a, it takes away from each sport. So for me, I feel that unless the MMA fighter is really trying to showcase his part of the stand-up boxing, then it minimizes each sport. And it takes away from it. I think it's important that if you're doing it to get views and to get paid and stuff like that, then okay, then understand that that's the reason why you're doing it. Don't think that you're going to, or people shouldn't look down at the MMA sport or look down at boxing because, you know, they're doing that. I hope that in the end, neither one of them loses their own value because they're trying to make it now an entertainment make it like I can understand if it's like a show and it's an exhibition and you know let's do this why don't we see what this person does and what this person does cool but we can't lose sight of it we can't we have to stay focused we have to and, and I mean it, it's kind of like you're right because they're actually because we all realize that Jake Paul is going to win obviously mm -hmm. And it is a little embarrassing for, for Woodley to lose, for, mm -hmm. um, you know, Funky to lose. But it's bringing in a whole new breed of mm -hmm. these young kids. And that's money. That's people that are going to be, you know, looking at us. People that are going to be looking for new fighters. Even the video games are, like, mm -hmm. helping and stuff like that. So I guess if you look at it that way, because I was kind of disgusted when... Uh, even the the Mayweather McGregor thing happened, mm -hmm. and I got my tickets over there. I covered the press conference at the Barclays Center, mm -hmm. but it opened up a whole bunch of new doors, and a lot of new fans are coming through. Mm -hmm. And you kind of got to look at it like that. I mean, that there there is the growth, and without the big stars, I mean, Ronda Rousey is gone. I mean, we're we're losing a lot of big stars. Mm -hmm. I mean, John Jones is a huge star, but I feel like right now. The UFC is looking for the next big star, and this is kind of the way to do it. But Jake Paul, we know, is not going to make it to a UFC champion. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a great way to open up doors for the new fans. And I feel like if you guys get mad at me about it, I do think it was a positive thing, as embarrassing as it was. They made a lot of money mm -hmm. doing this. But, like, it's just, it's been such a long ride. It's hard to see these guys like Woodley lose to somebody like that even though it's an exhibition or Carlos Condit retiring yesterday mm -hmm. it's hard to say goodbye to a lot of these guys a lot of things are changing and I feel like it's really hard to accept we're really seeing the 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 tides change right now I really feel like we're we're seeing the the skin shed from MMA and I feel like there's gonna be a whole new breed and I think it's very important for people like me and you not to give up mm -hmm. I mean we're right here so if you could give any advice to anybody out there that's, you know, trying to do what you're doing, what, what would it be? Like, what, what's, what's your advice to somebody that's trying to make it in this scene right now? Don't give up. That's well, what, it. What, what do you do? Like, what, what's your day like? Because it's hard because a lot of people, they'll wake up, they don't feel motivated. Because I've been having a trouble. Mm -hmm doing this, doing the live podcast. It's been, I yeah. think, two weeks, three weeks mm -hmm. or something like that. Well, what is your day like? Very hectic. 
I can extremely only, I can only hectic. Have, I don't even have kids. I, you know, and it's just, it's trying to find a balance between. Find a balance. I like that. It's, just, it's like you have that. to find a balance between your family, um, things that happen. You know. Where do where did you learn that find a balance? Is that through tra- training in the, in the gym? It's life. Just life. <laughs> it's life. How am I gonna find a balance? Because you know. I haven't really been able to train as much as I can. And everybody's like, well, you can find a way if you really want to. And you know what? You are completely right. However, I don't have enough hours in the day to make it fit. So I get it. My son is older, but I also have other responsibilities. And, you know, and, and I have parents. I have siblings. I have, and we all split each other up to help, you know, because our parents are getting older. How can we help them? How can we do this? How can, you know, not put too, so much strain on one sibling over the other. And then how am I supposed to be there for my son? Because, you know, he's now, you know, he's in high school. So I have to be there for these, you know, delicate years. That's going to guide him into what he's going to do in his future. But then at the same time, well, I can't abandon my parents because my parents have been there every step of the way. And then it's like, well, I'm trying to run a business. So how can I be, you know, professional and, and work with the promoters, but as well as how am I supposed to communicate with the fighters and get what they need you know, they're asking for pictures. How can I find a balance? You know, so I try to let them know as much as I can without using it as an excuse, you know, because, oh, well, you know, you're using that as an excuse. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like you understand. But then it's also, you know, I'm a, a homeowner. So then on top of that, you have all these things that happen in the house that, you know, OK, the, the, the heating system went down. OK, now I got to deal with that. But on top of that, I have to go to work. But on top of that, my parents need to go to the doctor's appointments. Oh, but on top of that, my son has his doctor's appointments. Oh, my on gosh. Like, that, Eddie didn't answer the phone. I had to come back. <laughs> and then I had to come back today. Which I kind of, she came all the way down to New Haven the other day. And I fell asleep until like 530 because I took like uh, nasal medicine or what? Benadryl, yeah. Nyquil, or whatever. I don't so know I what you took, like but yeah. Five thirty <laughs> at night, and I woke up like in like a terror, just like oh my. And you just like you said, you just went around. You took like photos of New. It's a it's a beautiful city, but like for you to drive an, another hour to come back down here just shows how hardworking you are, and it's mm. just it's just absolutely mind blowing how much you go through and trying to find that balance. So like I, I just don't know how you do it. I have no idea how you how you find that balance. You just have to. I haven't to. found it yet. But when I do, I will let you know. You know, <laughs> it's not easy. But I realized the other day, like, what am I? I what am I really gonna do? Like, I spend um, so much time like helping people, right? I mean, I don't mind helping people at all. And I I smile. I always say smile at a person because you don't know what their struggle is. You don't know what they're going through in life. And you I'm actually a, have a TikTok about, that talks about stuff like that. Yes. It's like trying to bring up yes. the vibe and the moods. Yeah, I do because you don't know what all these, and especially through this pandemic, you know, with people who are going through anxiety. Like, well, what's your TikTok for people? Because I, I, Igdalia I, Speaks. There you go. There you go. Igdalia Speaks. And I just try to bring awareness that we're all human. We all go through things in life, but we can still make it. We can. And my thing, like, actually like not even like two days ago I realized like I always smile at people right and then I but I'm always like serious 
I'm a serious person, but I try helping others and smile. And then the other day I was like, you know what? Let me try smiling for myself. Let's let me do it for me for a change. And it was like, oh my gosh, like why haven't I been doing this my whole life? You know, because I used to feel guilty smiling and being happy because people would make me feel guilty because they're going through their own struggles. And it's like, yeah, but I'm going through my own struggles as well. And I don't have to tell you what my struggles are. So it kind of like I needed to minimize what I'm going through and being happy because if You're I'm happy, to see light in dark corners. Oh uh, yeah, you. I will always find the light. It doesn't. I will find it. You give me a chance, and I will find it. Because what am I gonna do? I mean, look at all the inspiration that we've seen from fighters around us, like Nick Newell. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far he's come with w- one arm. Mm-hmm. He's made it so far. I mean, we've seen so many incredible stories, which is why I love doing this. Mm-hmm. It really does help. So uh, one more thing I really need to talk to you about is I need to get a vlogging camera. There's a lot of people out there that want to do podcasting or they want to go out and get cameras. What, what, do, what do I get? Because I heard that you need like an extension for, for the vlogging, like a... Oh yeah, you know you could do you could use anything you can you you can use your phone, depending on the quality. Is that though? Like I want to like look professional. You can you can take anything and make it look professional. It's are you willing to learn and figure it out? You learn with the equipment you have. I mean the iPhone's like what seven hundred bucks, but yeah. So use what you have, and then because um like the extensions they have adapters that you can put on your phone, right? You can buy the gimbal which I have a gimbal, I haven't used it yet. Um, which you can use your phone, you can use your camera, um, you connect it to it and it balances your pictures. So when you're Wait, walking, what? you don't go like this. It, it balances. Is it like that, that square thing? It's, a, it's, like a, it's like an arm that you have here yeah. and your um, camera or whatever source that you're gonna be using goes on top of it. And, and it keeps. And it balances it. So you have to program it and balance wow. it. So you can use it. So like if you have your camera, you can use it with a gimbal and then you can buy um, like an adapter, an extension where you can use your phone because the gimbal will allow you to use your phone as a external source. So you can be like, okay, well, I'm gonna get this area and I want it to be here and blah, 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 blah. Boom, you do it on your phone and your, it programs it to your camera so it does it for you. So you can be standing and you can go off and you don't have to worry about it because it's gonna follow you and it's gonna keep it balanced. Or if you're That's walking, crazy. if you're walking and you're using your camera, now you can use your phone and you can see like it's How like a viewer. How much does that go for? Like four? It, it varies depending on the brand you want. Um, anywhere from like two fifty and up. I mean, it's taking they have a long ones. time to get a lot of this equipment, but like it's all there's always something new coming out. Like you got to stay on top of everything. Like there's so there's so much competition mm-hmm. out there. But you just need to learn with the gear that you have. Don't worry about whatever whatever is out, whatever anybody else has. It's what you have. How are you going to use it? And how is it going to make it work for you? Once you figure all that out and you get better quality later on, then boom. Oh, this is easy. Boom, 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 boom. You fix the steps. But if you're focusing on getting the best that's out there, guess what? If you don't know how to use it, it doesn't really matter if it's the latest thing that's out there. I've seen photographers who have the best top-of-the-line camera out there. They don't know how to use it. What is the point of investing 
thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, it can freaking cost you a car. You know what I mean? But you don't know how to use it? Yeah, I've seen cameras for like $4,000. Yeah, the like... one I want to get is almost $7,000. But Damn. once I get it, I mean, but I use mine. That's you know, older, but I know well, how to you know use what it. I do. I go to events. I try to make the vlogs. Mm -hmm. I try to make it like a personal thing so yeah. people can understand. So moving on to the next segment, one of my favorite segments of the podcast, which I didn't warn you about. Oh, great. Ghost stories. Do you oh. have any ghost stories or anything spooky that's ever happened to you or anybody in your family? Do you have any ghost stories? No. You don't have any ghost stories? I don't. Do you believe in the afterlife or yeah, haunted I don't. houses or? Yeah, I believe in all that, um, but I, I don't have You've never any. seen anything? Never. Because, all right, Bill Vigil. Did you did you watch that ghost I did. story? <laughs> I about did what watch he was it. Going the through? clock? About the clock? I've You know what? There's been people that I've, I've heard that have had like an object. And they like in the house, and um, something would always like they felt like they were being followed, or but then they would move it, and then all of a sudden like the item would fall, or they would move it, and you know what I mean. So it was like possessed, and then eventually like they'll they have like a group uh, like uh, like church members come and pray, and then like so like the lady was standing over here. And eventually she ended up being under the thing again. And then as the night went on, they went somewhere else. And again, boom. Oh, that's crazy. So she would always, and they'd be like, they asked her, they're like, where did you get that? Oh, I don't even know where she said she got it. And they're like, because you understand that no matter where you are and you move, you always end up under that. That's crazy. And then eventually she's like, I'm getting rid of it. And she got rid of it. And then everything was better and peaceful and stuff like that. But it was just, I think it was like her mother-in-law gave it to her. It was something like that. And they didn't want to get rid of it because it was, you know, it was a gift. And right. then, but that was causing so much like, um, like a bad environment. And it was just like really like eerie for them. And she couldn't sleep and she couldn't do this and she felt like it was watching her and but you do but you do believe in it yeah I, th I think things are can be definitely possessed and crap heck yeah and i don't so play with that crap uh -uh. i got a good story for you guys so eileen eileen War eileen and ed warnos mm -hmm. you're, you're familiar with obviously from the conjuring movies mm -hmm. or what, what was the doll uh called annabelle uh, yeah annabelle so my mom went to i think i was like uh, six or seven she went to, they had like a convention mm -hmm. where they brought like all of the, you know, little things from different hauntings mm -hmm. or they had like recordings of poltergeists or exorcisms and all this crazy stuff. And at the end of the night, uh, my mom started driving home and the radio and her Dodge Intrepid started switching channels. She was like, oh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. So she tried shutting it off. It would turn on, change the channel. So she just shut it off. She finally gets back home. And she walks in the living room. I'm upstairs sleeping on the couch. She opens up the blinds. She walks out of the room. She comes back in. The blinds are now down. She's like, Ed, did you lower the blinds? I'm like, no, I didn't 
didn't do that. And then she's like, all right, whatever, brushes it off. The next day she comes back in, the blinds are back up or down or, or, or whatever. And she's she goes in the bathroom and realizes she broke out in hives from that night. And my grandfather was a deacon at the church down mm-hmm. the road over here. My mom got the holy water mm-hmm. and blessed the house or whatever. Yeah. And nothing ever bothered her ever again. But that was definitely really freaky. And recently, my little brother called me. And he told me he went down to Florida. And I, one of my girlfriends passed away like 12 mm-hmm. years ago. This little photo down here, my mom got me. Uh, it's the Holy Priest, the autograph. Um, but this is like me, the dog. So there's Phoenix. So there's Oscar that you met tonight. Uh, Phoenix, uh, Eddie, <laughs> evil Eddie, Henley, <laughs> and Finn, and the Sunflower Field. And she loves sunflowers. And my little brother said that he went to some random medium out in Florida, nowhere around here, just a Mm walk-in. And he said that there was a presence of a girl holding a sunflower and said to tell your brother that I'm okay and that he can move on. And it just, like, gave me the craziest chills Mm -hmm. and, like, broke me down, like... Mm -hmm. It, it just like uh, it's hard to accept because it's like what what does happen after you pass away and it's like how how would somebody know that and it's just like I, I kind of battle with it but it also brings me like a little bit of of, of peace mm-hmm. you know what I mean which is why I think it's really important to find a balance in life mm-hmm. because there's a lot of chaos going you could leave here right now and not make it home mm-hmm. as soon as we end this podcast. Uh, Sergio Da Silva, uh, you know, one of my really good friends that I was doing a podcast with recently, uh, he passed away. Uh, sadly, he, he was a Bellator fighter. Uh, he was actually involved with some crazy headlines in the mixed martial arts community. But ended up uh, taking his own life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's it, this this world's crazy crazy things happen and it's really important to find a balance mm-hmm. i think it's really important to have a hobby like we have going to these events because it makes us feel alive mm-hmm. and that's like i said at the beginning of the podcast it's it's so relatable all these people they go home and they lay their head on a pillow just like you or i do mm-hmm. and you got to put in the work you can't give up like you were saying you gotta mm-hmm. keep going for what makes you feel alive. So with that being said, Iggy, I wanna thank you so much for coming on Pure Evil MMA. And I wanna know like, what do you got planned next? Like what, what do you have planned for the rest of uh, this year? Are there any events coming up? Uh, yeah. Um, what, what do you got going on with the podcast or? I'll be working on my podcast, my, my what? Your podcast. I don't know what the heck I just said there. You're working on your Podbean platform. <laughs> I don't farm. know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to be working with um, Cage Titans. Um, Shout be, out Mike Bear. Yes. And I'll be working with Lion Fights as their main photographer. Um, Cage Titans. I'll be helping more with like back behind the scenes. So, you know what? I, I need to set my goal because every year I come so close, but I... Iggy, I never put in a hundred percent. 
which is something I need to change. If I put in 100%, I know damn well I could... Somebody's always next in line for the position or what you want. And like, why can't it be you? Like, I, I really need to start putting in 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said tonight is something that's going to stick out with me for a long time is, is finding a balance because they do award shows mm-hmm. uh, at Cage Titans or, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of media, even, even online. And I need, I need to chase after something like that because I, I lost that for a little while going through breakups. It can mm-hmm. throw you off. Yeah. You know, it it's can. hard to realign yourself. So I think this was really therapeutic podcast <laughs> to actually have. So I really do appreciate it. Thank so you, you for got all me. that lined up. Where do people find you on social media? Um, they can find me on Instagram, Twitter at Igdalia LLC. They can find me on TikTok as Igdalia Speaks. And they can find me on YouTube, um, which is they can search either Igdalia's, um, their fight story or Igdalia. It should pop up. I'll have all that listed down below for you guys. But the most important thing and one of my favorite things about Iggy is the merchandise. Is that for sale still? Because I got the Who Shot You shirt. Oh, yeah. And, which I love. And every time I go, it's, it's like the perfect, like the blazer with the yeah. with that style. Do you guys have that like on your website or I don't have you it on my find website. you at a show? I don't or... have it on my website yet. I'm working on it. I'm actually working with um, a I don't even know if that's a printing company. Is that the term? I, I don't have, know. I have a couple of them. I can't remember the name. There's one here there. in, in Connecticut. Oh, you're talking about actual manufacturer, not online. No, it's one here um, that she's going to be printing my shirts. So um, she has an amazing story it's as well. Great quality too. I love it. It's not like some Walmart stuff. It's like actually like kind of like stretchy. It's like it breathes. It's yeah. Like, you know, even like see like the white, like the design. Like I bought shirts where it started peeling after a while. Yeah. Your shirt's still in perfect condition. Yeah, and I I've love had it. that for what two years. One was the uh, at the Big E. Remember uh, Bill Vigil mm-hmm. held the event, the Big E. He's he, had several events. I don't know. Mitch <laughs> was canceled. There was like a I probably 18. Lighter. Remember I made like the vlog for it? Yeah, yeah I remember. So it's like three years old. The thing still feels like a brand new shirt. It's one yeah. of my favorite shirts of all time. So I can't wait to get back into the local scenes. And if you're out there, guys, reach out to some of these local scenes because we've seen it. Yeah. A lot of these kids come up into the UFC. They end up on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. And that's one of the most exciting things. So make sure to go represent your local scene. You can follow me at Evil Underdash Echo on Twitter at EVIL underscore ECCO or at Pure Evil MMA underscore on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You guys know what it is. I'm Evil Eddie from Pure Evil MMA, White Knuckles TN. And without evil, there's no purity. Behave yourselves. <laughs>